and welcome to Rewind Reviews. This week we will be taking a look at the 1969 classic, classic, question mark, um, <laughs> The Italian Job, starring everyone's favourite, Michael, how am I supposed to blow the bloody doors off, Kane, and uh, good and Noel Coward, who I forgot was in this movie until we mm. started watching it and I saw the credits. Um, Benny Hill. One of his last performances. What was that, sir? One of his last performances. I believe actually his very last performance, Chris. Mm. He was actually a little sneak into the triv straight away just to get one out of the way so there's less to do. He actually was so ill during the filming of this that they had to film his final climactic scene walking through the prison with everyone chanting in about 40, 50 takes. So he could only do a few steps at a time. Um, oh, wow. Because that's how ill he was towards the end. But good on him for... for pushing through and finishing the role it's a brilliant performance so very sad but yeah, also really cool to see um so yeah here we go uh, so it's, it's it's the italian job so um this one was uh, was chris's choice i think a, a good choice definitely a, a sort of film we've not yet tackled on here do you want to talk a little bit about your history with this film chris yeah and then get because i want to go to you first for feelings uh very mm-hmm. much so i've been uh excited to get your thoughts um mm-hmm. and because as i'm sure you'll explain you also watched it with a fan um yes. so i i remember this film was a it was a part of my childhood i remember my dad saying oh i don't know whether it was on tv i think first of all we recorded it onto tape but I remember it being the the two films I most remember. Well, three if you count Star Wars as well. Um, Star Wars, Back to the Future, and The Italian Job were films I vividly remember my dad going, "You've got to, you've got to watch this." Sure. Um, and I remember being enthralled by it. I think it's I bizarrely for a film in 1969. Now having rewatched it for for a film made in 1969. Now, having rewatched it, um, I'm sure we'll come on to it later. I think I think I watched it at exactly the right age, <laughs> like which is a really weird thing to say yeah. because there's there's some adult stuff in there. Um, but we'll we'll get to my thoughts behind that. Um, uh-huh. I will be comparing this film to Home Alone, um, and so I just remember the cars. I remember my dad being like, "The next scene is really depressing," and it was the scene where they chuck the Aston, Aston Martin over the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the chase. I had Dan the PlayStation One game of the Italian Job. Did you see? I always wanted to Which... get that game, but I never did. I don't know what, what <laughs> stopped me from purchasing it. But yeah, that look, that game looked great. Was that? Do, do you have much memory? You're not a big video game guy. How did you? <laughs> no, did no, you not a big video that? game. Not a video game guy at all, but there were there were bits of the where I knew what was coming next in the big car chase at the end from the game, more so than remembering the film. Um, wow. The game was great. It was really great. Kicks in a gear, similar to the film, right at the end when, you know, you've done the heist. The mission's at the beginning. Like, I think, like, you're taxiing Charlie around or something. Like, they really... They really had to work out how to make the first part of the film a game. Well, especially because, <laughs> and again, not to sneak in trivia early on, but Michael Caine couldn't drive during this production. He hadn't learned to drive, so Michael oh, wow. Caine is never driven. Never drives in this in this movie. There's only one point in which it's even implied he's driving, which is when he first gets his his Aston Martin back, uh, the DB4, and he um, he gets in it. 
then there's a shot of it leaving the garage, and then a shot of it arriving at his next destination, the implication being that he drove it between those two locations. But um, he didn't. Um, it was very much cut that way on purpose. And then at no other point in the movie is he required to drive a car. He's always passenger. Um, yeah. And that's why. <laughs> so That's uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, well, it's interesting th- to, think, to think they had to kind of work around, I guess, because I think... I think traditionally in a movie like this, you'd put the lead in a car. <laughs> I mean, seems, yeah. Seems, yeah. that seems like a thing you do, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, like you're adding a lot more jeopardy, in the, like the yeah. bit with the ramps and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I think I speak when I, on behalf of the listeners when uh, when I thank you. Clearly, uh, if not if not consciously, you're subconsciously trying to avoid a two-hour trip sesh like <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> You're sneaking yeah. it in early. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, look, I'm not going to flag it every time. I'm, I'm, the first couple, just so people know that's what's going to be coming. But yeah, I think, look, Little Shop of Horrors taught me one or two things. Uh, first of all, I, I need to be careful to let, to let my not let my excitement for anything that happened in the production overrank the review. Uh, because what happened was I did all this research and I was desperate to get it all into the podcast because I find it really interesting. I don't know how many other people listening are going to find that stuff interesting. Probably oh, just thought it was fascinating. I, I did too, but I can't, like, I suppose the only thing we can do in this podcast is do what interests us, I guess. But at the same time, keeping one eye on not letting myself get carried away is is important. So I have done research for this one, and I have got some trip, but I'm going to, uh, there's less of it for a start. Um, to be fair, it's a, less, it's, it's a film less fraught with production stuff or interesting production stuff than, than Little Shop of Horrors. That's not a comment on the, the, the quality of the film or anything, just less happened in the production of note. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, so I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll try and sink a couple of them in so that the, the end of this doesn't become a giant triv session. I've also been a little. No, bit I think more it's what I think. I, in terms I think... of cutting triv, that's just why is that there? That's no one. No, yeah, no one I think that's that's a good approach. Anyway, like I think because I always feel really bad when the triv's quite long. Like I'm always like not. It's all. It is easier for me in discussion as well. Not that you should do it for me or anything. Like you know, you've done all the work. Let it shine. Um, but like I think it's it's easier when it slips into discussion because otherwise it's kind of like you say a fact and I go, mm-hmm. and like there's two reasons for that. One is to avoid the podcast being 20 hours long. <laughs> and two yeah. is because by that point, by that point, there's nothing to say on the, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah. I rem- so, so you've, got, you've that- got a long history with it then. I got it. I got it. I, and then I got it on. It was a. We talk about it this time. It was a DVD. It was a special edition. But we talk about it on this podcast a lot. The 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 remember the case memory. And I definitely have that with. Mm-hmm. I can vividly describe the DVD case that that I had. Um, it was like a special edition DVD. I watched all the extras. We re- rewatched the film when I got the DVD. Um, I yeah. I very much. This is very much a nostalgic film for me. Um, and I certainly got those nostalgic vibes when watching it, which I think for this movie help um, when watching it in the context of um, like reviewing it. Mm. So I'm fascinated for you to talk about one, the fact that it's one of Nadia's favourite films, which we discovered afterwards, <laughs> and yes. your your initial thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, really surprised. Mark Wahlberg looks really good considering it's 1969. <laughs> like, he's... <laughs> I, I knew you were going to do that gag. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Um, Jason, and Jason that was Statham on last night. Well. <laughs> it was that? on Sky One last night, the 2003 version. Was it really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I think Edward Norton was in that movie. Like, it's a good cast, that movie. Like, Charlize Theron's in it. Anyway, um, so well, it was an interesting experience to me because, as we mentioned last week, I wasn't 100% sure if I'd seen it or if my memories mm. of it, 
if I had seen it, it was so long ago, my memories of it were very vague, and all I was really remembering was the iconic scenes, which could be one of two things. I've either seen the movie, or I've only ever seen the collection of very iconic scenes that belong to the movie, and filled the rest mm-hmm. in with my brain. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I sat down not knowing whether I'd seen the movie or not. And I'm still not 100% sure, if I'm being honest with you. But it was interesting mm-hmm. that after we'd had that conversation, you're absolutely right, I went in to tell Nadia, oh, we'll have to watch Italia Job over the weekend. Um, have you, you've, you've, you've seen that, right? And she's like, seen that? It's one of my favourite films. We've got it on DVD. And sure enough, it was on our, it's in our DVD collection. A little known to me. <laughs> like, I had no idea we owned that film. Um, was, uh, it the Union Jack, was it the Union Jack DVD? So, like, is the cover... That's, is that the one you had? I was going to ask about that. So we've got, I think ours is the white one with him sort of in blue and the three. Oh cars. yeah, no, that's, a diff- that's a different one to the one I have. Yeah, I know which one you have though. I just Googled the DVD cover just to see which one you were, were referring to when you talked about it being iconic and I had a feeling it was that Union Jack one. It's quite, that is quite a cool image, must be said. Yeah, well it's, so the, it's done, if it's the one with the cars in the tunnel in the middle, like the... Um, it was cut out like so. That isn't like it wasn't like a regular DVD case. It was like almost like almost like a slipcase type thing. It was quite cool, right? Yeah, I mean, well, do, do, another little Dan slipping into the trivia thing. Do you want to know something about interesting about the poster from America? That uh, my- oh, is this the yeah? I saw that last night on Wikipedia. Yeah, <laughs> so crazy. apparently there was a there was a US poster which I've actually not googled and I feel like I should have done. But uh, Michael Caine um, t- has told this story a few times. He went to America to promote the movie and he found that they'd had a misleading advertising campaign for the film and the poster actually <laughs> featured a scantily clad woman with a map on her back kneeling in front of a mafioso holding a machine gun. Now, when he went to the US to promote the movie and saw this poster, he apparently immediately became so enraged, he flew back home to England and did not complete the press tour. (laughs) (laughs) It is a bad, it is not a representative poster at all. No, no. I mean, I don't know, you know, yeah. Like, I'm not sure what the Americans would have been, you know, into at that time, like what would have appealed to them, but it didn't really matter. It definitely doesn't. You know, I can't speak for its success as a marketing campaign in terms of just getting butts in seats, but it's definitely not the movie that this is, <laughs> that it's promoting. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it turns out Nadia's big into it. That's pretty cool. I still don't know if I've seen it. And I, I'll, be, I'll tell you the truth right now. I still don't know if I've seen it before. Yeah. We sat on to watch it, I think, Saturday night, and I watched it again uh, this afternoon uh, to refresh myself. Um, it was interesting to watch the first time because I, because a part of me was just like fascinated by it. I really have an association in my head of old movies and over-explaining stuff. You know, before mm. we before we created a certain shorthand in cinema, that certain mm. images tell you what a character is doing and thinking, right? And you just got and you get used to them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like you, you don't realize they're happening, but they are. This movie kind of does that, but before they were invented, and and the characters, because before that happened, characters would just over-explain everything. I am now going to go and make the phone call to the guy in question who will tell me about the thing. And, and it was one, it was padding, because the movie, movies were expensive, and the more the characters just talked in a stagnant shot, the better. But two, it was like, because they, they, they hadn't thought of visual ways to sort of translate that. And, you know, these things... The history of film, you go back and you see it getting less and less like that. Things like Citizen Kane really push things forward in terms of visual storytelling. And obviously this is a fair ways after Citizen Kane, so a lot of progress had been made. But I kind of expected a lot more people describing what they were going to be doing. But the movie's actually pretty good at just letting you 
follow what's happening yourself, which is, you know, uh, was a relief. Yeah, if, if, any, <laughs> if anything, I think there's some things they under-explain. <laughs> yeah, 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 you could definitely, uh, yeah, no, that, that there is some truth to that. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll tell you my experience watching it, which is that I, I thought it was, re- I was really enjoying it, um, totally on board. I think I liked the cast. I thought Michael Caine was extremely charming. I don't, uh, you know, Michael Caine in his charming years, I mean, he's a, he's a charming man now, but like this sort of like the younger, you know, sort of uh, womanizey charming, I thought was a really interesting version of this actor that I hadn't really, a side of this actor I hadn't really seen, or at least without, you know, having forgotten it. Um, I, I thought the, 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 the characters were all kind of, it was all, the whole movie was kind of tongue in cheek. None of the characters took themselves too seriously, which I liked. It was kind of a bit exploitative of the era, but in a, in a fun way. Like there's a lot yeah. of like you know sex and guns and cars like it's 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 a movie like that you know and it's and it was in a time when that was a, looked upon differently so you kind of they kind of got away with it but it was also this weird movie about English pride you know they they weren't going to rob an English bank no 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 they were going to rob the Italians <laughs> you know um, there was something really interesting about that whole thing and I'm and I'm really enjoying the movie and it's um it's, you know it, it gets towards this like latter section of the movie and there's a lot of really cool stunts and on the whole I'm thinking you know what. Job done, I think. This is uh, this is a this is a pretty decent. Film. I mean, what what, what can I have? A couple of little quibbles, but nothing major. Then the ending happened, and by that I mean <laughs> the ending didn't happen. And I don't remember being so angry finishing a film in my life, Chris. I remember the pain the first time I, I felt what you... I think maybe you hadn't seen it, because you must have known that ending Well, what happened... Existed. I'll tell you what happened was, they're they're getting on the bus, they're driving the minis onto the bus, right? And yeah. suddenly I turned to Nadia and went, oh no. And she said, what? And I said, oh, I remember. She goes, what do you mean? I'm like, I think the bus goes over the edge. I remember the visual of the bus going over the edge. And the gold is at one end, and they're at the other end, and it's counterbalancing. But that was a famous scene that I already kind of knew going in. But what I remembered as they were whizzing round in the minis, getting them up the ramp into the thing, was that there wasn't any more to that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I I literally explained that to her, and she was like, uh, you know, she was kind of being coy about it. And then the movie ended, and I was absolutely fuming. Uh, and I was just yeah, like, that I, is... I, I had that, like, just distraught the first time I watched it as a kid and just being like, I just remember being like, what, what's that about? Like, what why, the why'd fuck? they do that? Like, what the fuck? I mean, if you don't know how to end your movie, just choose something. Don't have nothing. Like, we'll get into it because there's some, there's some, some mild explanation online as to how the ending ended up as the ending ended up, but... And it just seems like everyone had different ideas and no one ever settled on anything, so they just fucking went as down the middle as they could. But And also, sequel. They were sniffing a sequel. Um, yeah, which then didn't happen despite the film's success. We'll have to talk about that, because one, yeah, I did, I'd never noticed that a thread doesn't get wrapped up and then actually some of the plans for the sequel like cover that a little bit. But yeah, carry on. So, yeah, so I, I look, I mean, it's a heist movie where the heist doesn't get completed. Spoiler alert for listeners. Actually, we should cl- very quickly clarify. Italian Jobs yep. movie about a, about a character, I think his name's Charlie. He's uh, released from prison, but he's immediately going to do another job for, for, a, for some criminal. That guy dies under suspicious circumstances, and his wife says he wanted his plans to go to Charlie, and it's like a crazy 
job that this guy was planning that was going to net them four million, which I actually went and looked up with inflation. It would have been uh, sixty three million modern. Nice. Um, I think that did I work that out right? Where did I write that down? Sixty six million today. It would have been um in pounds if it was four million pounds then 66 million pounds today and um he basically gets funded from this uh this brilliant character from the prison who's like a an an imprisoned mobster that's kind of still operating like he's not in prison at all like he basically owns the prison he's bought a new house for the various police there if he wants to go out for meetings they attend a funeral you know like <laughs> it's a really great character actually it's, it's every scene with him was like, mr bridger that's it it's a lot of fun um and basically he funds charlie and he says you either come back to the country with the gold or you you come back in a coffin because you know this is and and the whole premise of the movie is that they have to succeed in this job and then the rest of the movie is them setting up the job doing the job and all the action and hijinks that go around that and as we mentioned it ends with the with them nearly out of the country in a bus with the gold and the crew that committed the job the bus goes a little bit over the edge of a cliff type thing in the not the riviera where are they there in the my mind's gone blank it'll come back to me later but they're over like a cliff and it's teetering and Michael Caine reaches out, as he reaches out to try and get the gold, the bus hits one way, so they all have to go back to one end. And then it, and he goes, right, I've got a plan. And then the movie just ends pulling out. Um, and yeah, it's to me, that's like doing a romantic comedy without clarifying if the couple get together. It's, 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 yeah. it's, 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 it's a heist movie without the heist. Like, you can't, it's like doing a murder mystery without revealing the killer. I, I, I can't fathom how that's acceptable on any level. <laughs> I, I genuinely can't. It's it's a fundamental destruction of the entire purpose of the movie. And the fact that in the 60s, they just went, eh, who gives a shit? They got to see the cars crashed, and that's what everyone really came here for, was to see the cars and the action and stuff, and Michael Caine being, you know, cool and funny. And to a degree, all right, I get it. But you still need to write a satisfying story. It's like, you know, if Avengers Endgame hadn't ended with them winning at all, it just ended with them just, like, in the middle of the fight. Like, it just, you know, the credits had just rolled. You'd be like, well, what the fuck? Like, I need to see it end, right? <laughs> I think it's even crazier when you know that, and, you know, not to not to jump in on the triv, but to give it now, there's basically there's a subplot about the mafia being after them. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly what I read, I assume it's in, in, in the triv, is that one of the intended endings was to have the mafia rescue them and take the gold. And then the sequel would be about them stealing it back from the mafia. Yes. Now, it was, it was, I think it was going to be called The Brazilian Job. Uh, I think The Brazilian Job. Wasn't The Brazilian Job the sequel to the 2003 Italian Job? Yes, it was, named what after the... what they were going to call. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, that, that's what I... Re- well, okay. Let, let me just make a big disclaimer here. The triv for this... and most of my The way I do my triv is I go through IMDb. They have a trivia section. And any ones I'm interested in, I quickly verify and I add them to the list. Any ones I'm not, I just dismiss mm-hmm. them. Often, they're very hard to verify. Yeah, yeah of course. So yeah. th- this always comes with a pinch of salt, right? Like yeah. some of them are very easy to verify as true. Some of them are a little bit more questionable. 
Um, and this movie's 50 years old, so well, six, yes. more than that, 60 years old. So, so and as we found out last impossible. week, like, memories fade as well. Like, Frank Oz was absolutely sure there wasn't a colour print of Little Shop of Horrors out there. There was. He was also sure they never tightened that ending. They had. You know, 30 years, yeah. a lot of time had passed. He forgot. No problem. <laughs> like, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, is it weird to think, actually, that between this movie and Little Shop of Horrors, only, what, what 15 years passed? Was it, no, 20 yeah, years? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Only 20 years, right? So 70 to 87. No, 69 to 87. Less than 20 years. Yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> it's been a lot of progress um, in a short space of time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, so let me get into the, to that. Yeah. I'll get into the truth with, about the ending there because we might, we might as well because we're here. But um, mm. so um, at the time of filming, there was no ending. So when they started filming, they hadn't decided an ending yet. Now, I'm putting this together from the three different sources I've had, right? So Michael Caine has said that the movie, he said it on Graham Norton in 2007, that the movie ended with the criminals not escaping because the censors were giving them trouble about showing the criminals getting away with a crime. Oh, right. Now, you combine that with the fact that when they started shooting, they had no ending, and the writers, Mm. frustrated... Um, oh, sorry, no. Uh, and it was left to Paramount to basically create an ending because the writers couldn't figure figure it out. So the main crew and the writers hated what the power Paramount came up with so much. A second unit was actually given the job of filming it. Oh, wow. Now, again, pinch of salt. How true that yeah, is. Yeah. Don't know. And apparently the, one of the reasons Paramount went with the ending they went with is that they were basically looking, as we pointed out, to keep the opportunity for a sequel over uh, open. According to the DVD commentary, now this one I didn't get to listen to myself, but the fact that it's sourcing the DVD commentary makes me think that this one is probably one of the more believable um, pieces in there. Um, according to the DVD commentary, although never formally planned, the start of the anticipated sequel resolved this cliffhanger ending by having the Mafia arrive in helicopters, lifting the bus back onto the road to recover the gold, and incidentally rescuing Charlie and the gang. The rest of the movie would have involved Charlie's crew pulling a second heist to steal the gold back from the Mafia. And then there's a second piece attached to that relating to it being titled Brazilian Job. Again, not 100% sure on that either, but that's what's in here but what, so, and that that makes the that makes the ending even crazier because i i read that before or like as the film was beginning because it's got the longest opening titles in the world which we talk about because that's a very well, we'll talk about that, that makes it that makes it feel like a very old movie um but so i read about that and i really noticed the mafia and i was like fucking especially in a modern context it is actually so much more primed for a sequel than I ever realised. You have the Mafia, but they the, the last we see them, I think they're just stuck in traffic. Like, it's it's literally like the franchise is on the table. Well, no, um, the, the last we see of them is most of them are stuck in traffic. But then there's this really interesting scene that doesn't go anywhere. It's a proper dangling thread where the head of the Mafia says, I want every plane out of here. Oh, yeah checked there are people that helped with this job that will have already left the country that are no longer needed that helped in the early stages that will be have already left the country today i want to dig them out the hint being that they're going after charlie's girlfriend right like um i forget the the the, the character's name but the the, the girl that he was sort yes. of seeing throughout the yeah. movie he puts her on a plane that morning 
So it felt like they were setting it up as a they kidnap her sort of situation. But that obviously doesn't lead to anything. There's not even like a scene of them getting on a plane with her or like, you know, her being followed back in England or anything like that. It just it's a really weird dangling thread. Yeah, which, I which adds to your that. point. Yeah, absolutely, it does. I'd I'd viewed it as because she's she kind of goes. I'd forgotten her leaving as well, and I was like, this is odd because um, even the scene where she goes, it feels a bit like bizarre. I I viewed it as because it reaches a point where you just go, they must have found some fans that are over there to watch the match because there's this big football match going on. To help them, because round every corner they've got someone doing something dressed as an English football fan. So I, I thought he was maybe talking about the fans that helped them. Um, but yeah, e- either way, that it just it really a modern context where everything is franchised and sequelized makes this ending even crazier <laughs> when you watch it with that context. And I couldn't find a lick of evidence as to why they never made a sequel. I couldn't find a lick of any information about why a sequel never materialized. No, because the film was a pretty big hit right away. It wasn't a sleeper. As, like, far, as, far, as, as, as far as, yeah, exactly. As far as I could tell as well, I got the same information. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, nuts. So, um, I mean, so, like, from my perspective, I mean, not to get to it too early, but when, when we, because actually we need to start doing this. I think we should start saying whether you recommend a film up top rather than at the end. So that people, if we're saying that this is terrible, just come listen to us shit on it for an hour if it's a really bad one. Like Girl Next Door, we could have just said, this is not a recommend, don't worry about going and dig this out before you listen to this. And when it's a good one, we're always frustrated, because by the time we're recommending it... We've spoiled it. We've spoiled (laughs) it. So we should start giving our overall at the top. This movie was an absolute recommend until that last scene, and now I don't know if I can recommend it. Because that is Um, a proper blue balls of an ending. (laughs) I mean, it is, yeah, and I I do remember the real like hearing you talk about it because I I didn't really feel that because I'm so I've already had that pain. Well, yeah, because um, what Nadia's but, response when I when I got angry about it was just well, it's it's an iconic ending, and she's probably right, but I, probably I can't. I would argue maybe iconic for the wrong reasons though. Do people remember it because it was a cliffhanger, a literal cliffhanger that never a got literal resolved? Cliffhanger, yeah. Like, is that is that's not a thing to be rec- like, That's not a good thing to be recognised for. <laughs> In my opinion, yeah, yeah, but I, iconic nonetheless. Um, yeah, well, exactly. I, that's her point. It's iconic, you know. Like, what can you do? It's like, oh, the Mona Lisa isn't that great a painting, but it is iconic. When we went to France, I still made the effort to go look at it, not because I think it's this incredible. I don't think it's worth all the fuss and thing that goes through it, but I understand it's iconic uh, and has a really important and, place in the art world. So I was interested in seeing it with my own eyes. You know, and that's that's why I that's why I would recommend because. It is full of iconography, but also it's a really fascinating... I think it's one of the most... Oh, what's that word? Um, oh, not approachable, but accessible. That's it. I think it's one of the most accessible old films to a modern audience you could sit down and watch. Like, I, and considering I do, this film and is I do think from the, the 60s. Yeah, and I, and I think that's exactly a tribute to what I was talking about earlier. The movie doesn't over-explain anything. You just... You see yeah. where he's going. You know what he's up to. You, you know, it's it's all done very surprisingly subtly for a film in this time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then equally, like, I think everything that's great about it is also because you also watch it going, fucking hell, they they destroyed a lot of cars. 
And they (laughs) shut down one of the busiest cities in the world to zoom Mini Coopers around a marketplace. Like, you also marvel at what the film achieved in 1969. (laughs) And as a sort of piece of cinema and also i didn't realize especially because i you know i will come on to it but i had kind of an odd experience watching it and my kind of with a review head on to what i hinted at earlier and then i kind of looked at, at like the wikipedia and looked into stuff and um just out of intrigue you know after watching it as with happened with little shop and um and like it's been voted very highly in like major lists of best films and like i think it is for the iconography and the the marvel of of what they achieved and you know as you say it the ending hurts because of how invested you get you know it's the Mm-hmm. It's you oh, yeah. really do. If I didn't get, give a shit about them succeeding or failing, that ending is, is it's annoying. But it's like, oh, that's a yeah, that's a bad movie. Is what that is, you yeah. know. And and it's not even the the frustrating thing is the movie doesn't even have third act problems. Like me and me and Nadia watched Mulan this weekend, right? The, the Disney classic Mulan. And I never had a problem with that film as a kid, and I hadn't really seen I don't think I'd seen it since I was a kid. And that movie has got some fucking third act problems. <laughs> like from yeah. from the minute the major turning point happens that puts her on her sort of like at her lowest moment before, you know, the story picks back up again. I'm not gonna spoil Mulan in case anyone's not seen it. Everything from that point on just is like, oh, why would the character make that decision? Why would this character make this decision? Why would this happen? This is ridiculous. The the, the movie just falls apart from that point onward. And mm. And then we watched this, and I was not happy with the ending. It was like, this is two movies that I've had problems with the endings with. But I came to the conclusion this morning that, no, it's two very different issues. That's a movie yeah, yeah. that fell apart towards the end. And that's a huge yeah. issue. This is something so different, because the third act of this movie is great. <laughs> a couple, Maybe a well, little bit. Could... Maybe you could have used a little snipping here and there. There's a couple of things that go on a little too long. But... Like, there is a point when there is genuinely not a word spoken for four minutes, and the entire four minutes is just shots of traffic. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, there's, there's, oh, there's definitely so stuff I know. A couple of little niggles um, like that. But on the whole, like, the movie's really good at getting you invested in the job, watching the job play out. The action's good when it does, when, it, when, when that gets going. You, you, the characters are funny when it's going. The movie doesn't take itself too seriously, which is nice. Like, there's a bit where they're racing around in the cars, and the guy reaches out and nicks a, like, a chicken or a sandwich or something. It's a chicken, is it? It's like a turkey. Yeah, chicken. It's a whole like chicken. someone's plate. As they go past, it's funny, and then he's in the car eating. Like, what? I'm not gonna eat a horse. I'm starving. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's the whole movie is just joyous, and you're on board, and you're like, well, you know what? This is fun. I'm really enjoying, and that ending just leaves such a bitter taste in your mouth. It's really hard to get around that because it's such a kick in the nuts. It is literally the very end. So you could, I don't know what the minutia of your problems with Mulan, but I'm guessing you couldn't necessarily fix it only editing the footage that you've got. You'd need additional stuff. Whereas the Italian job, you could literally, you cut it, you cut it after they chuck out the last mini, you reinsert another shot of the bus just zooming up the highways, you maybe slow it down and kick in the credits and you're no longer bothered about the ending of that movie. (laughs) Not at all. And you cut between that and Bridger celebrating in the prison yeah perfect yeah so you you could literally you could literally with the footage you've got just cut it before that but but then the end is iconic and it is it is a literal cliffhanger which well, there is look, something that's the thing is though that's the in, other thing you're not just robbed of, 
Sorry, finish your point. I'm just, I'm so annoyed. <laughs> no, 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 that is my point. No, 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 go on. Well, it's, it's, the other frustrating thing is, it's such a good set piece idea. So you're not yes. just, so you're not just on a larger scale robbed of an ending to your movie. Do they get away with it or not? You, so you're not just robbed of that. You're robbed of the conclusion to a really interesting dilemma. They move forward to get the gold. They could tip the thing that way. They get out. It's definitely going to go. But if they stay there too long, eventually it's going to tot- totter one way or the other. Like, they have to make a decision and do something. How do they do it? Do they get out alive? Would they save the gold? You know, that's a really interesting dilemma. So we're even robbed of the satisfaction of of the, Did you... the, the, the end of that, just that sequence. <laughs> Did the trivia cover the 2008 um, Cambridge University quest to find an answer? <laughs> No, what's this? So, I think I think it was the University of Cambridge. Um, so basically, they or the Royal Society in Cambridge or something. Hold on, ending solution. Let me see if it is. Uh, the Royal Society of Chemistry uh, right. ran a competition to see who could solve the ending, and people were coming up with all sorts of shit, like melting the road, drinking beer, and producing gas or something, which is... There's a clip on YouTube. It's quite bad quality, but there's someone from the Royal Society of Chemistry, and they're like, we didn't think that, you know, drinking beer and creating gas or or uh, melting the road. That seemed like quite anti-social behaviour and didn't really seem in the spirit of it. And I'm sat there, like, having just watched the film, like, mate, the scenes where they're literally, like, hitting police with baseball bats, like, the whole thing's about a robbery. Like, the whole thing's anti-social. But anyway... The one I read was um, Michael Caine's best theory as to how it would work. Did you hear what Michael Caine thought they should... what his plan was? Yeah, I think it was similar because it involved getting rid of petrol, didn't it? Yeah, he basically it was leave it running until the petrol runs out, which would um, which would rebalance the vehicle because the petrol tank was the front, no, the back. So it would then it should get the the, the thing to teeter back enough for them to pull the gold forward and 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 get out of the situation. But well, the uh, the winner of the competition, John Goodwin from God Godalming Godalming, mm-hmm. say that right. Uh, so first the coach needs to be stabilized uh, this involved smashing out the windows on the part of the coach overlooking the drop and smashing them inward at the front end to improve the weight ratio slightly one of the billion raiders is then lowered outside and deflates the wheels to stop the coach from rocking second its weight distribution needs to be changed particularly over the rear of the coach which is overlooking the drop this involves emptying the fuel tank um, which John Goodwin discovered was at the rear of the coach. This, he estimated, would contain 140 kilograms of fuel. Third, he would allow a member of the team to leave the coach and bring rocks in, which I thought was very clever because they're obviously on a cliff, and bring rocks into the front of the vehicle to ensure it was stable and then the gold could be removed. And he did like a calculation and everything. Wow. Well, there you go. Um, I mean, yeah. I certainly problem, think the getting the rocks is, in. Seeing that play out on screen would have been quite boring. All right, lads, get some rocks. You just keep the engine running. I'm going to pop the, the fuel cap off and let it leak. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like uh, seeing all that play yeah. out would have been dull as shit. But, <laughs> but like... the, the, the dream is a sequel. And I can't help but feel it's difficult because I don't know if the t- it's too tempting to modernize it and do all of that shit. But like a project I would love to see, you know, if someone had the money 
is is do it as a do it as like a TV like a four part event series and the first four as in sorry a four episode event series and the first is just the movie and you expand some of the other characters you maybe expand the mafia you kind of do all that but you still set it in the 60s you still have those technology restrictions and all of that stuff although there's a little bit of MacGuffin like the thing that he puts in the bins that just magically turns off the cameras but anyway um, <laughs> we'll talk about all that stuff um and you and you 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 end on this and then you do a sequel still set in the 60s um with the with the mafia thing i think because the mafia plot is left a bit hanging it's all kind of there for the taking um and you do you do that but it i i completely agree with your frustrations i'm in nadia's boat of having years of just knowing it and i kind of had those frustrations as a kid i would still recommend it though because it is a fascinating fascinating insight to that era of cinema and i think it is more accessible than many other films from that era i haven't and would like to maybe at some point rewatch for this the great escape but my memory of the great escape is that this is a lot more accessible (laughs) well yeah almost certainly um it's but yeah i think that's where I'm, i'm i guess i'm leaning that way but I, I want I want this recommend to come with that very heavy caveat, like uh, like attached to it with the weight of a ton of gold, you know. Like I, I think it's you know it's 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 a real problem. <laughs> it's yeah. and 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 it wouldn't have taken much to fix. Let's be honest with you. To me, you know what the the, the ending of this movie should have been. You, you know how I would have written it is quite simply that he decides after a few minutes of them trying to get the gold back. All right, lads, get out. And they all just get out, and the gold goes, and they watch it go, and they're sad, mm. but they're together and they're alive. <laughs> and they well, I think that was Kane's ending. Like the the gun, the gold would tip over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. That's like that. I that, to me like lose the gold, but save your friends, and then off they go for another adventure. You know. Or that maybe... also resolves the that also resolves the studio's argument of you can't have the the bad you can't have the you know yeah. the criminals win and it gives you a sequel because you then they've pissed off the guy because he's back in england being hailed like a king yeah he, he ain't gonna be pleased so there's your sequel sorted yeah. out is them trying to get right by mr bridger so to me like th- th- there's an easy way to fix it and it wouldn't have taken much um yeah. and indecision and fucking infighting and people refusing to film stuff because they didn't like what was being planned it all contributed to this insane ending of a movie um so that's enough about the ending let's let's talk about the rest of the film because otherwise we we'll, yeah we'll, so because we'll, there's probably we'll do, people sat here going what's this comparison to home alone about so yeah I, expl- yeah explain if, yourself <laughs> well if at christmas if at christmas jess and i decide to watch home alone this is how that goes down we put mm-hmm. on Home Alone, we're watching it, we're entertained, but we've seen it before. Loved the movie, seen it a bunch of times, classic, nostalgia, all that shit. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at our phone, you know, we're, we're maybe chatting to each other, but, you, you know, we're, we've got eyes on the key moments. You look up for the mirror, for the dance, you, you look up for all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. And then you watch the end in full and it's a great time, you know. There's, as I think I've discussed on here before, this Christmas, we had a group of friends over, we met up, we watched a bunch of Christmas movies, and one of them was Home Alone. One of our party had never seen the movie before, and you had five people really psyched to show him this classic, 
Sure. And then there was this unfolding weird, like, tension throughout the movie where he was sort of questioning things. And you're like, yeah, no, you're, you're right. But, you know, at the end, it's this kick-ass prank stuff. Like, just just hold on in there, buddy. Like, and you yeah, realise... It's a laborious setup, but the payoff yes. is great. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is, yeah, and if you... You, you are if so... You... This is such an apt comparison. Because I do have other couples of the movie, and you're, you're, you're hitting it out of the park with what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. Good, Karen. And that was that was my I realised that and I like I say you know I I always bring up Ghostbusters as a movie that I didn't watch at exactly the right age and mm. I realised and I never thought I'd realise this but I realised watching it that even though it was made in 1969 and you know at this point it was the 90s or early 2000s and I was a, a young boy I watched it at exactly the right moment <laughs> because you kind of. You like, oh, I guess at that age, all films feel a bit like that, especially old movies. But then you're you're enticed, and all you remember is the chase at the end and the blow the bloody doors off and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, I was watching it like, fuck, man, it takes a while to get there, and there's some stuff that just, like I said earlier, like. I, it, for me, the most egregious thing that they just <laughs> just not explaining it. Well, there were two that I really noticed. One is that Beckerman knows he's going he's worried about his death so records a videotape for Charlie we randomly see another videotape later on where now he's addressing the dude in the police in the um bridges in the or whatever his name is mm-hmm. in Mr. the Mr. Bridger. Uh, Mr Bridger in the ple- in the yep. prison cell I, i've currently like, got okay i've got this note highlighted on my pad right now on my computer Waiting for you to finish this point to add this point to verify. I love that you've hit on the exact same one as me. Carry on, please. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, why does it switch from being to Charlie to then Bridger? So there's that which you're like, well, oh, oh okay. Like, no, I had that. And so, then I had, why is he making a video just walking around openly discussing the job? Yeah, and why did he? What someone? It's 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 film, man. Someone would have like cut that up and like, how did he not and notice the dude? The, at the and end? is that the same guy? Because that might because my other my yeah. other idea for how that might make some semblance of sense was, oh wait a minute, maybe it's a different guy in the video, and Bridger has sent out one of his guys to check out how legitimate this job is and how how doable it is and that's what that video is i think it's the same guy but yeah that would i i see what you're saying yeah but that still doesn't mean it's not ridiculous that he's just walking around in the open discussing the job and then the camera like for the worst part is he goes off screen leaves the camera there filming and the guy following him Frames himself perfectly yeah. in the center of it to be shot. Oh yeah, real subtle, mate. You saw him talking to the camera. Now go have a nosy at the camera. <laughs> and then he's like, and this, and it's not even done like, like because then Bridger says to Charlie, like, oh, there's a guy in every frame, and Char- and it's news to Charlie, like, and it's so funny because in a modern film, what you would do is you would have you would show the audience that guy first. So you would have Charlie watching the video and then Charlie goes to the door or looks away and we see the man and the audience realise it before Bridger notices it. Um, and just as a kid, you don't notice that. And like the other one where... Because <laughs> again, if, you, if you're watching a film when you're younger, 
Like, any talking is talking, and you don't really take in the scenario too much or whatever. Mm-hmm. And watching it the bit... And I love the plot, this whole subplot, that Bridger is so powerful that he is essentially almost a free man because he'll just, like, fake an aunt's death or whatever when he wants to speak to people. Yes. But there's a scene where his lackey, Camp, Camp Freddy... Camp Friday, sorry, goes to visit and talk to him while he's at a dental appointment. And I swear, like, literally, he burst into the room and Jess was like, isn't he in prison? And I'm like, yeah, he, um, uh, Harley Street's a big famous dental practice, isn't it? And I rewound it and you see him go past the policeman (laughs) and stuff. But you don't, like, it's not, it's not explained well at all no and then what's happening the most egregious of those to me of like the wait this doesn't make any sense what the hell is happening here is the entire second half of their plan Mm. right okay so they (laughs) they've gotten the gold into a special building whatever it is like an old abandoned factory whatever that building is right the van has the gold in it right in their waiting are the three minis right they transfer the gold to the minis and the minis leave out the back. No one sees the minis leave with the gold. No one. Mm. Why not just blend into the traffic? And yeah. just drive about like everyone else. No one is going to stop them. They can't stop everyone. There are thousands of cars on the road. Do yeah. that. Well, even, Instead, they even... drive around like lunatics through shopping malls and down steps of weddings. Which, by the way, my one of my favourite jokes in the whole movie. It's good luck as they're driving down yeah. the steps of the thing while the it's wedding is subtle. happening. It's a great joke. But one, a- of, one of my favourite subtle jokes in it is it's the, the scene where they're planning the heist and for no reason the guy goes to give Benny Hill's character a light and he then realises that Benny Hill is just eating the cigarette. <laughs> think i clocked that that's great yeah Yeah. (laughs) he goes to give him a light and benny hill just starts eating it amazing that's great oh that's funny um Um, but like so so i mean so and then the other the other one i wrote down and this one bothered the shit out of me so they they steal the van right with the with the gold in it initially they like you know they you know hitting cops with baseball bats whatever they get Mm. the van that has the gold in it they get it into that thing and they lock themselves in there to do the transfer I just mentioned of the money to the minis, right? Of the of the gold mm. to the minis. While that's happening, the good people of Italy take it upon themselves to try and break <laughs> the door down for some weird reason. <laughs> what? Uh, and yet, <laughs> and yet, no one, no one, seemingly thinks to just go round the back. <laughs> like there must be. I know it would take a while, but they don't even yeah. when they leave out the back of that place. There's no indication at all that anyone is on their way round to the other side. <laughs> I also love that. Um, and again, and yeah, you, just, uh, just so many you do kind of like, and, and this is kind of logic questions you have with modern day filming. And like I say, everything that I think is amazing and commendable about it is because it was made in 69. And everything that I question is because it was made in 1969. <laughs> yeah. It's a double-edged sword. Because also... In terms of the chase, I thought you were going to bring up the fact that there's a police car chasing them and then they manage to do something to, you know, they they manage to get that car to go off a bridge and submerge themselves in water or get that car confused in a car lot. <laughs> yeah. 
But there's always at any point the chase scene is basically a series of, of single police cars chasing them, yes. getting destroyed, and then it cuts to the chase again, and there's just another police car yes. on their tail. Yeah, I, I described it as Scooby Dooing. You know when they're going <laughs> through the different doors in Scooby Doo? There's a Shaggy and Scooby going one door, Velma and, and, and uh, Daphne going the other door, and then Daphne and Shaggy come out of the other door being chased by the monster. But when the monster goes through that door, he comes out somewhere different to them. It's that. Uh, you know, it's Shaggy and Scooby hiding yeah. in a fucking... Uh, in, uh, in a knight's uh, armour while the villain goes by when they pull into the fucking car park full of minis and hide while the police car goes past, but then they're inexplicably being followed by a police car in the next shot, despite the fact they yeah. very clearly just lost the police car. Yeah, it's bonkers. Like, there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on with it. And look, it's, it's a ton of fun. Like, like I said, there's so many great jokes in that sequence. Like, when they're going through the shopping mall area, they skid through a really highly polished area. And the police, the poli- <laughs> one of the police guys is on like a like a bike, and he falls over. And when he looks up, there's just a guy that was mopping or polishing that floor, and he's just swearing under his breath as he marches away because yeah. his floor's just been ruined. <laughs> and and of course, and and it doesn't age well. But I just I it amazes me that I watched a film where I got to say this sentence because Jess doesn't didn't know whether she'd ever watched it. Um, and I got to say the sentence, oh yeah, there's a subplot in this where Benny Hill plays a really perverted tech guy who's obsessed with larger ladies. <laughs> yes, there is. I mean, I'll madness. be honest with you, at that point, if you'd have given Benny Hill a role where he wasn't in some way perverted, it would have been a waste of Benny Hill. I mean, anyone who's ever seen the <laughs> Benny Hill show would know what he was likely to do. I think they yeah. actually weirdly tried to make it seem... I honestly think the choice of it being larger ladies... Was their way of making it less leery, which doesn't work. I don't know. But it's I, another. That's that, by the way, as well is another. Are you? I was very confused by that because we see Benny Hill. Yes, me and Nadia talked about this, this this morning. I don't understand either what happened there at all. I, I, pushing this baffled. woman on a bus and feeling her up, and then seemingly they've both got arrested. So yes. I can only conclude that they started like doing stuff on the bus and yes. got arrested. But while they're and being that, arrested. He's like they're really sped up for some reason. So I I don't remember the details, but I remember on either the commentary because I listened to them. I watched it. I think I watched it with the commentary when I got the DVD or on right, the behind right. the scenes. Oh, or if you something. can put some, if you can explain this, I'll be happy. Because not only was I confused yeah. by the fact that they both appeared to be being arrested, which I guess your answer is right. They ended up doing something together. I'm not sure. But the the thing that threw me was why it was randomly just in fast motion. Other than that, it's an uh, an homage to Benny Hill's sketch show where they do a lot of that, which it could have been, but it's really out of place if it is. No, it's something the woman didn't like. I, and this is again pinch of salt because this is um, me trying to like remember it. But I think it was something like she didn't sound Italian. So they just sped her up <laughs> to make her sound Amazing. more foreign or like she was speaking a foreign language. I think it was something like that. Uh, let me see if I can confirm that. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So, 
there are so many wonderful things in this movie. There's also so many, as we've just pointed out, a lot of things that just don't make any sense, like Scooby doing about pretty weird. Uh, there are things though that just made me laugh for no apparent reason, like just weird things, like when they go to see. I think it's Benny Hill's. It's either his mum or his sister. I don't know. Like his character, Miss Miss Peach. Um, they just when they go to see her, they're just sat with cats, just stroking cats for no reason at all. Like it's just a really weird choice that they just were like, you know what? Let's have cats in this scene. Um, when when he watches the video of his old mate explaining the plan, it's weirdly charming, but also very strange and disconcerting that Charlie is talking to the video like the guy is alive and talking yeah. to him like it's a video call. But he also he also had sex with the guy's widow like not so many hours before. Well, not just that. I mean, he literally he slept with a bunch of other women. And still had time for one more ten minutes later. They literally show him going into one hotel room where there are, what, like eight girls? He comes out looking haggard, like he, the implication being he just slept with all those girls. Which, by the way, were purchased for him by his girlfriend or something? Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. That, that bit certainly yeah. doesn't hold up. No, it doesn't. And then he goes into this other room where it's when he's given the, the, the thing to the job by the by his, his old mate's widow. And then they just, they have sex. Because why not? I mean, I guess in those days, that was how you showed somebody was cool. But these days, lecherous. <laughs> That's as yeah. best as I can describe it. <laughs> but very, there is a ton of, like, fun lecherous. stuff as well. Like, like Charlie breaking into the toilet to meet Mr. Bridger when he doesn't want anything to do with him initially. That's funny. And does works really well. I love that this this Mr. Bridger is just this absurdly patriotic person. Um, he's you know his, his his cell is full of pictures of the Queen. Like he didn't want to rob the British bank because that would hurt the British economy. <laughs> like you know, yeah. like there's there's an us versus them thing going on, which I suppose could feel like xenophobia. But I think I understand this in the spirit it was intended, which is more just like friendly rivalry, like 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 old school football rivalry, not modern day hooligan rivalry but like old school like England, England, you know like you know like you know like, yeah. like sort of like a more fun version of of that um because i get the impression back in those days it was a little less aggressive that kind of football rivalry type thing and obviously this is only a couple of years after england won the uh won the world cup and i got you've got to imagine that played a part in it right like yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think there's, I think the influence of that on this movie is actually quite apparent because there are a lot of like lads on tour style. There are shots of the costumes they wear are very much like England football fans out and about in Italy. Like the van has loads of like references to like footballers on it and stuff like that. So that's a that's it. But it's a, but they 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 make it they make it kind of fun in the movie. They get away with it, I think. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of really good fun stuff as well as all the weird stuff. I can't find um I can't find anything confirming uh the thing about speeding the woman okay. up but I, I think that was the case. Sure. Um but I have just been reminded in looking for it because I couldn't find anything online so then I wondered if the clip was on YouTube and see I was going to see if someone was asking it. Um I have just been reminded though and I might just try and quickly look at some of the other ones. Um one of the levels on the on the PlayStation game is to um is to line up the cars to go into the thing on the rods. I just remember that. Like, it is funny what they managed to make, you know, a game. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Because yeah, that, well, that, yeah. looked, that looked difficult. Um, <laughs> there you go. And in the, first, in, the first, in the first level, you're stealing the ambassador's car. Of course you are. Of course you are. Yeah. That's funny. So um, let's, I mean, like, 
a few of the quick details, just the things I picked up on that, just so that, mm. cause the things that I liked, because like, we've talked a lot about what doesn't work in this movie. Like we've picked apart some of the weird continuity or like like weird story choices, but it is a ton of fun. I just want to point out a few more little things I liked. Um, I really liked um, the scene with where where the scenes where Charlie goes and gets his clothes sorted, and he goes to the garage. Um, I like the bit where he said the guy says he's, he's he's gained weight and he goes ah oh, yeah I've been in America you see and it's uh, it's the bread in those hamburgers <laughs> which I thought was a really funny line. Um, I liked that he was trying to claim he got his money from shooting tigers and the guy said when he looked at the amount of money he has that he must have shot an awful lot of tigers and he just replies really simply I had a machine gun <laughs> which is yeah. just genius. <laughs> like uh, apparently that scene was entirely improvised by the way by Michael Caine and John Clive. Uh, the garage one, not the not the clothes one. It's so funny. Um, I, I, weird one that I noted down, but me and Nadia really loved all the weird bleep bloopy noises that all the technology in quote marks made. We would just love it. Every time one of those cameras died or like the lights went so, so funny, the little the noises all the tech made were just hilariously like old school. We loved it. Um, I loved it. <laughs> He talks. He basically he implies the reason he's sending Lorna, his girlfriend, away before the job happens is basically because women are a liability. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dude, that's not acceptable. Come on, man. Year of our Lord 2020, like, that's not good enough. And then she goes to walk away and, like, she starts yelling at him and saying goodbye to him even though he just told her to be subtle. And I was like, oh no, she is a liability. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the movie she, immediately proves him right. <laughs> she she really is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, I don't think he meant women in general. I think he just meant this broad. She's awful. She got caught yeah. when she's got caught stealing the ambassador's car, which, by the way, brushed over. She steals the ambassador's car, and then later on, she references being in prison for it. And it's like, wait a minute, where did that time yeah, go? Yeah, she says she says she got out of it because the ambassador was really nice and she didn't pay the hotel bill but she got out of it because the hotel guy was really nice implying like, she's just slept with everyone basically yeah but where did she find time to if she gets arrested like you don't yeah. the the guy it's not like she gets arrested and then they call the ambassador and say right we've arrested her and the ambassador's yeah. like wait a sec her <laughs> yeah it's just some logic like i know it was the 60s but even then there's a lot of logic jumps in the movie is what we're saying yes a hundred percent did um, you did you find the same as me like they have like uh, what what i found crazy was because i when they kind of explain what the heist is i was like i can't remember the logistics of this because how do they in a time where the technology nowadays you can go, oh, you plug this memory stick in and it's going to insert a virus that's going to mess up the traffic jams. And you go, yeah, all right. Like, but they didn't have that then. So how are they going to do this? And they do a really good, like, they show the, like, those old style computer reels of film that set the pattern and they show i've got hold they don't say how they get hold of it but they go you know we've got hold of this replacement put this in and i was like wow that's a really good like usb equivalent like that particular creating the traffic jam with that and breaking into the building and doing that well cover that and do that really well but the cameras there's literally a magical device (laughs) yes but the cameras, though, is actually part of another clever idea, because I guess your next question will be, well, wait a minute, if the traffic lights went haywire, there are people in traffic centres watching the CCTV footage, managing traffic, 
in any major city. Mm. What are those folks doing? Yeah. Well, we disabled them too. Like, the idea that the other yeah. people who yeah, might be true. able to help clear the city's traffic problems were also incapacitated. Yeah, all right. The magic technology that you just you put a package in a bin nearby and the camera just dies. Like, yeah, it's absolutely nonsensical. But... The uh, offshoot of that is actually pretty clever. Like the idea that they've like they're not just taking the time to establish why the traffic jam happens, but why it can't be resolved quickly too, which is actually yeah. more effort than the movie probably needed to go to. Like they'd have just covered it with sending the traffic lights haywire for me. I'd have been happy with that. I'd have I'd have, I'd have been I'd have accepted that and moved on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. You you need to you need to. Like because in my attempt to um, look up the thing, I've also re come across the American poster. You need to right now live look that up. I want to hear your reaction to it. Right, let's have a look. American poster because it's crazy. And job. What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> Not the one we just watched. What? Uh, I mean... <laughs> what? It doesn't make any sense, does it? No, what is... I, like? There's is like it... a Prison Break style tattoo. You, I mean, people look it up, but there's like a Prison Break style tattoo of what appears to be a car park on a woman's back. And Yeah, or if Michael it is a city Kane's... street, like those are the, maybe those are the buildings. Yeah. And like the exes... Michael Caine's got a, uh, a machine that, that's gun. That's not even Michael Caine. <laughs> That's one of the mafia oh, no, guys. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> Dude, oh, I don't. It's amazing. That's so good. Um, the I would like at some point to maybe do the remake because my memory of it is it's not even really a remake. No, it's not. I, if, my, if my memory serves correctly, it's it's that's. Like, I think you nailed this. I think you said that at some point they basically they have been on an Italian job and previously this team and they go well this job we'll do it like we did the italian job so there's a reference to yeah. that their plan is inspired by a previous caper that we that happened off screen uh, otherwise yeah. it's just I a completely it's, like well, it's like it's italian job in name only tone tone and all the other stuff just completely shifted um you tell you what i did quite like i quite liked that the way charlie was written um to sort of be quite nice to the professor character I thought it made him weirdly extra mm. compassionate because the professor character, like, you're right, in a world of uh, the movies, right, I should say, in a world of, like, you know, thugs and, like, you know, getaway drivers and all these people, he, that's someone who would get eaten alive, right? He's, a, he's as he's mm. As he's described in the movie by Charlie, Charlie says, I don't want anyone putting him down. He's a man of reading. That's... That's and actually surprisingly f- like thoughtful on Charlie's part to look after him and be patient with him and kind with him. And I, it, it's also because you're not, and I don't want to, you know, because they in many ways I think are comparable, but in many ways aren't. So this isn't about comparing Home Alone to the Italian job. But I know when I've made similar points about Home Alone before, you've brought up the point that it's all it's all character building you get a really good idea of kevin's character through all of that stuff mm-hmm. so when i was thinking about that comparison earlier i was thinking do we get an idea of michael kane's character and i'm like not really like 
they don't. No. I think like it solely rests on Michael Caine's charm. No, like, it's, it's, so it, the, the comparison I would make to your point there is that Home Alone is spending its time building its characters so that you care when the final sequence happens about Kevin and his out the outcome mm. for him, not just in terms of surviving the robbery from the criminals, but his relationship with his family and and how that all works out. Because keep in mind, this is a kid that. Last time he saw his family, hated them, and here he is given the gift of them not being around. He realizes how much he needs them. There's a whole ebb and flow, right? That's a character arc. What this movie does is it uses the setup not to get you particularly... I mean, again, as you just pointed out, he comes across very charming. But this is more about setting up the stakes for the job. So this is about if you don't get this gold, you don't come back to England or you come back to England in a coffin. That's a pretty clear <laughs> circumstance. Yeah, that's fair. So the, well, the, fair. Well, the movie uses its intro, to, or not intro, but it's like, so it's about, a, it's about from my gather, it's about 50 minutes of setup and then 40 minutes of the job, I think. I think that's the ratio. Um, mm. Minus credits, 30 minutes, 35 minutes of the job, I guess. Um but it uses that first 15 minutes very wisely, I think, to, to create stakes, to create tension. Also entertain. I mean, it's, it, those scenes are funny and entertaining. The same way that in Home Alone, you know, there's the scene where he's jumping on the bed. Like, there's the scene where he goes to, like, buy groceries on his own and, and he pretends his dad's just around the corner. Or whatever. Like, there's a bunch of scenes like that. So Yeah, and not, in this, there's blow the bloody doors off. Exactly, exactly. Which is one, probably one of the more iconic moments in this whole film. And it's in that section, you know, where it's the pre-planning did, and, did and you, setup. Did did you manage to watch it? Because I was like, <laughs> as that scene was cut, because I knew what scene was coming. Um, and uh, well, I think anyone would, to be fair, it's an iconic clip. Um, but like, I was like, there's no way me or Jess isn't saying it. And Jess said it. Jess did the did the voice and said it. So I imagine when you watched it with Nadia, one of you said it. And then what, when you watched it on your own today, you just took in the scene? Um, yeah, someone said it. I can't remember yeah. who. I can't remember which of maybe both. I think, yeah. and I think I said it said it in the pause instead of on it, which even works. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a pause yeah, between. So for those who don't know this scene, because you've not seen the movie and you're listening to this, the uh, they're testing out their explosives, which are designed in the in the job. The job of the explosives is to is to blow the doors off the van so they can get to the gold. But you don't want to blow the van up. The gold's in there. It's important that they have a functional van. They also need to wheel it into a different building. Um, so the van needs to be somewhat functional and they have a caravan that they're testing this explosives on and the guy goes a bit too far and the whole caravan explodes and the iconic line you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off is 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 the line uh, that, that goes there but there's a pause between the caravan exploding <laughs> charlie the michael kane's character witness like taking it in and then saying it and i think whoever of me and nadia said it said it in the pause, not when he actually says it. Yeah, because that's which the thing. the it's... timing right off. <laughs> and that line in particular is a is a great delivery that nobody for 20 years has ever heard because everyone mimics it over Michael Caine saying yes. it. Yes. The, um, yeah. the professor thing, you are right there, that does add a bit of character depth to to Charlie's character that I hadn't quite appreciated. So I think yeah, that's a great they... point. There's, yeah, because there's two scenes where they do it. There's the one in there where he's introducing all of his team to each other, and he says, "Look, leave him alone. He's a bit different from us, but you know, he's important to the job. Um, 
let's let's not go bullying him basically he doesn't say exactly like that but that's yeah. what he says then there's the scene later where he shows real patience with him where everyone else he's like get in the car get in the car and he, sco- he goes to snap at the professor for the same thing and he's like look something about the flowers he's found on the ro- side of the road and he's like all right yeah just just get in the car like, you know <laughs> just, you know like let's 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 get out of here like you know he's really nice to him and i just thought that was a really interesting like insight into that char- the- character but also it was to- just nice to, to the- know he's not a monster <laughs> Yeah, till he leaves him to rot in an Italian prison for for grope. Well, yeah, I mean that's you know that's his own problem, isn't it? He's, you don't want to get arrested by the Italians, uh, you know. Don't, don't commit a crime, I guess. Apparently, there was a draft where they went back for him. I think I remember reading. Yeah, I think that comes up in the trivia somewhere. The groping. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, so yeah, I. I, okay, so the kind of skew, so two more nitpicks that I didn't get to because I've just wanted your clarity. Mm. Maybe you have some information on this. So there's the there's the bit where right before the job he goes and remember guys, in this country they drive on the other side of the road. And everyone goes, oh, blah, blah. there are two ways to interpret that scene. One is, mm. and I hope this is the one. This is what you. This is what is intended. Is he's going? Remember, they driving the other side of the road. They're going, oh, come on! We already know that Charlie, you muppet. We've been, we've only been here for you know a couple of days already, and all this planning. <laughs> That's information we'd obviously have. Or thirty seconds before the job, they've only just found that out. <laughs> I I uh, I interpreted it the first one the way you interpreted it, like that it's a joke. <laughs> right. Okay. Good. Because uh, if that was their actual intention, the like they didn't already know that, that would be very worrying for a number of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other one I have for you, and this is just again nitpicking. Like, but how do the people in the prison know they've pulled off the job while they're still in the middle of pulling off the job? Say that again. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I just took all of that stuff to be his power is so incredible. Because what's also nuts about that scene is the prison guards are cheering <laughs> a criminal act. <laughs> so I just like, viewed all of that to be a sign of his power. Okay. Somehow sure. words got back. Um right. But and, the job isn't yeah, even finished yet. They're not even like out of the city centre. Well yeah, and they're also they're all there because by that point they picked up Camp Friday, who I think is well wonderful. I don't know the name of the actor, but I think it's a wonderful. Is it? I thought I thought it was Camp Freddy, but is it? Oh, maybe it's Camp Freddy then, and I've changed it in my head to Camp Friday. It might be Freddy. Um, and by the way, if you were doing a modern version, Harry Styles, I think, should be Camp Friday. Like, I think that's great casting, and also. You'd you'd go. The headlines would be Harry Styles for the Italia job, and everyone would assume he was playing Michael Caine and lose their mind. Um, so yeah, and um, Michael Caine should play the Noel Coward part. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I didn't even think um, of that, but you're right. That is the way to do it. Yeah, and you just do you do a four part event series uh, of the first movie. But I've, I thought about it quite a bit, and Chris Ramsey would play Arthur. Um, the it's, guy. It is. It's Freddy, not comedian. Friday. Okay, Freddy. Um, yeah, because Camp Freddy at one point is just watching, but then he goes and takes part. So if if they kept him watching, maybe he could have got word back. But yeah, they're all like very actively involved in this. So who lets him know they've done it? Yeah, yeah. And 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to leave that one out there because there isn't an answer. It doesn't make any sense. It's just one of those nitpicks. Again, right. one of those things that probably in the day was overlooked and no one cared about, but now as a, as a you know, in a modern context, you say, oh, damn, that's a shame because they, they didn't think that through, did they? Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, it's again, I think it's easy to get wrapped up in this film because it is work very well done. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to settle on a recommend. Yeah, same. I, even though that ending is a huge problem. And weirdly... None of the other little nitpicks that we've pointed out here for the for the fun of just sort of pointing out illogical things in a movie like this are a problem. They they, they all work. You get they get away with all no, of them. No, and it's and and, 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 they, some, and often they actually end up enhancing the movie because let's be honest with you, in a world where you can't ha- you, you know where you you're abiding by logic and word can't get back to the prison, then you're robbed of what is a great scene. So I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, and also it's a it's kind of. It in many ways is a cartoon. Yes. So you've you forgive it a lot because it's speaking of it being a cartoon, because I'm assuming a lot of those things that like at one point the cars make a jump that would be challenging if the cars weren't also weighed down by gold bullion. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. Too. Even that element of it, it's like how are these cars moving so quickly? <laughs> Did you? Um, um, I mean, we let's. What, what, we said we talk about it, so let's quickly, very quickly. How glad are you, Chris, that front end of the movie title sequences, credit sequences, are, are a thing of the past? Oh yeah, oh it's so long. Like at one point, at one point, they credit in the opening titles the guy who did Michael Caine's suits. <laughs> it literally says Mr. Caine's suits. And then there's, oh, it might have been stunts. Stunts would make more sense, actually. But I, I, I thought I read it as suits. Um, but I just like, that very much makes it feel like an old movie. And apparently, and I tried to find either the trailer or find out more about this, but couldn't. That actor was really, really, like, famous. Um, and I think at least in Italy, I remember hearing something on the commentary or the behind the scenes about how they, they, um, they tried to promote the movie because of that actor and the fact that that actor was in it and obviously he's a, he, he he gets written out very quickly <laughs> well yeah, yeah. and That's there was hilarious. an italian trailer or a first trailer or something which was basically just the footage of him driving amazing <laughs> But again, amazing. I couldn't find. But I mean, the that, that's, that that's a the thing dance, that so. didn't die though until like nineties, heading into thousands. That intro thing, the the long title sequences. No, yeah, you're right. Well, because because right. they got moved to the end. Because you know now the tradition is you get a colourful title sequence, mm. and then you get the standard, more detailed black and white scrolly credits. It's the yeah. same thing. It's just that colourful one used to be at the start of a movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. that, that, that's that mid-credits thing that the Avengers movies and the Marvel movies use so well to create their, like, point to insert a scene. Um, you know, it's, but, we, we, and it's not the first time we've had that even doing these movies, doing, the, doing this podcast. Space Jam. Dear Lord, Space Jam <laughs> has yeah. a really long opening title sequence for the exact same reason. So yeah, even it's... Mouse Hunts was fairly. Wasn't Mouse Hunts like a a mouse moving along and yeah, uh, yeah, I did. yeah. It's a tra- it's a tradition. I'm glad has died. If I'm being honest with you, well, Chris. died died apart from one franchise, obviously. Who's still doing it? James Bond. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay, yeah. Got, it's got quite a whole, it's, it's immersive, immersive. Oh yeah, you're right. I was gonna say mercifully short because I was just thinking of the shooting the barrel thing, but no, you're right. It's a it's a big old song and dance still. I think that's just because yeah. of the tradition of the song. It's like where do you put the song otherwise? Yeah, I think the best the best one of that was uh and I know it's an obvious example, but the was it the Skyfall one where he's like underwater and it's just mm. it is beautifully done. Yeah. Well there you go. Yeah. So Chris. So Triv. Triv time. Now I mean, just want to get you guys nice and excited because my world famous segment "Cars Exist" is in overdrive this week. <laughs> so I'm going to name a bunch of the cars up top, so people know which cars are which, in case they come up again. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the car in the opening scene is the Lamborghini Mura. That's the scene that's used in the the as he goes through like the sort of like the the the. the the, the sort of Italian, whatever you, that that area is, Riviera, whatever it's called. Don't think it is. Uh, the ambassador's car is a Damia limousine. Charlie's car is an Aston Martin DB4. Now, not to be confused with the DB5, which is the iconically James Bond car. It's one prior to that. Um, the Jaguar E-Type are the red navy cars they take over with them with uh, Charlie's Aston Martin. Um, the Fiat Dino. Um, is the car the villain drives, and the BMC Mini Coopers are all over the fucking place. There's loads of them. They're all over the shop. So that's 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 the, the main cars that show up in this movie. Um, little mm-hmm. little side triv: the Jaguar E-Type is my favourite classic car. Oh, there you go. So seeing the red and navy ones crushed in this hurt me. <laughs> really? Oh, it, but I remember it like hurting my dad as well yeah when watching this <laughs> yeah it's such a great car and i weird, weird little extra bit of trivia it was thought for many years that the, there was a weird irony to the movie because the only cars that actually survived and still existed modern day were the three cars that were very distinctly on screen destroyed in the red and navy e-types that were crushed with the truck and the Aston martin db4 that was flipped over the the sort of down the cliff but the um, those were actually the three the three that were restored. Um, the minis are gone. Oh, right. No one knows where they are. Um, uh, Charlie's car gone. The uh, Lamborghini Mirror from the beginning long gone. Um, apparently, though, that was slightly scuppered a few years later when um, somebody found the Ambassador's car, the um, the Daimler, the limousine, um, like in a shed somewhere. <laughs> Just like right. Oh, wow. So just, that, that's just in a shed. Fuck apparently, man. yeah. Apparently, that's been restored now as well. And weirdly, the DB4 that's thrown off the cliff by the mafia bulldozer, they switched it. There's a bit of conflicting information here to either a just fake car or a Lancia Flaminia. But I actually think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I think they got a Lancia Flaminia and dressed it up to look like the DB4 because in the close-up, it still looks like a DB4. So I think. It is a Lancia they actually chucked off the cliff because no one was going to chuck a DV4 off a cliff. Um, so instead, a Lancia went instead. Um, uh, but I think they dressed it up distinctly to look like that. So the truth, I think, lied somewhere in the middle. Um, did you, just on that, I don't know if you've got any triv on it, but did, did you find it weird how, like, one of the minis, like, is chucked off the edge and explodes right away. Yes. And another one just, like, slides down the cliff. And two elements to that. One, it feels like they only had budget to blow up one of them. Yes. And two, even that made me go, oh, God, if you do a sequel, even if the gold went over the edge or the mafia stole it and they're scuppered, you could still, like, that white mini that just sort of 
almost like just it's almost like it's being driven down the cliff <laughs> like maybe that would still work and like oh so much potential yeah that's a, that's a thought i hadn't really thought of that but yeah they, they t- one of them gets absolutely destroyed going down the cliff like it's flipping and rolling and all that stuff mm. one of them explodes on impact immediately so i think it's that so the navy one takes a like an absolutely incredibly destructive tumble like it's yeah. that that's flipping all over the place doors and wheels are coming off that's totaled the um i think the white one it's is the, the one red... that just sort of rolls yeah oh, it, oh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it flips quite a lot of the bottom actually i've got it in front of me now it does come to a halt on the uh on the road but it flips quite a lot i'm not sure that would still right. be functional the, the red one just explodes just on up. impact now I think the reality is they just had the budget to blow up one, but my in-canon he- explanation is that they that, that specifically the fuel tank caught when it when it hit the rocks and it sparked the fuel tank. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good explanation. Yeah, because otherwise you're right, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so the red of the Jaguar E type still up and running today. It was actually restored in the 90s and featured in uh, in the UK classic car magazine, the Lamborghini Miura, which featured in the opening scenes. Oh no, apologies. No, it wasn't the... the, Ah, okay. Apologies, it wasn't the limousine. It was the Lamborghini Miura that was found and restored recently. Discovered in Paris and bought by a collector in Wales in a shed. So there you go. Mm. Cool. Um, So the owners of the Mini uh, BMC actually just refused flat out to donate any cars for the movie. Um, the chief of Fiat Motors, based in Italy, however, offered to donate all the cars they needed, and in fact, actually wanted them to use the Fiat 500s in place of the Minis to get round the, the city, the city streets. The problem was the director felt very much that the theme of the movie was kind of us versus them, Britain, Italy. That it would feel a bit disingenuous to have them driving around in the Italian Fiats, so Which they went sense. out and bought Minis, you know, out of the budget. But the Fiat boss still donated scores of cars for filming, as well as use of their factory grounds, um, which is pretty incredible. Why? So I, <laughs> I think they just thought it'd be a good opportunity for marketing, and there are several Fiats that show up in the movie, and the Fiat factory is a marvel. So me and Nadia went to a car exhibit, oh god, six months ago, when the world wasn't closed, um, and the um, exhibit had a, a model of this incredible building, and, and at the time, me and Nadia didn't know that it was in Italy or specifically during the place this is set. But the movie was uh, the movie. The model was of this factory, and the cars were being built from scratch at the bottom floor. And as they moved up the building, they were being completed to be finished at the top, where the top of the building had a test track around it. Oh wow! If you Google Fiat Factory Italy, I'm sure it comes up. It's an incredible thing, and the model of it. Or Fiat Factory, you know, uh, Fiat Factory with Test Track on the roof. You'll see pictures of it as well. Um, it's incredible. It features in this movie. They drive along it before they do the jump from building roof to building roof. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was uh, that was allowed on the basis of the, again Fiat just wanting to, uh, to 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 have the promotion, I guess. Um, well, fair play to Fiat. Yeah, and also that building is just remarkable because me and Nadia saw that. No, made no connection to this movie. Obviously, I don't remember it anyway. Nadia just didn't remember that specific element. It's like it's only a couple of shots in the movie. When we were watching it, we both went, "Oh, oh, we know what that is. We know what that is," <laughs> because we'd seen it in the exhibit. We got very excited. <laughs> so this one is one of those more spurious facts. I'm reading this because it's so good, and I hope this is true. 
but it might not be, and I'll be sad. Because there's another, there's another equivalent version of events. But the authorities refused to close down the roads in the city centre. And apparently, because for God knows what reason, the Italian mafia actually stepped in and shut down sections of Turing for filming. <laughs> the traffic jams are in this movie are real, as are many of the reactions during it. That's phenomenal. Now, the part of this I've been able to verify, because I did try, is that the traffic jams were mostly real. The story of whether the Mafia were involved, no one's willing to confirm or deny that. The best I got was someone talking about production staff blocking off roads without the knowledge of the authorities to create traffic jams for the footage. Maybe that's why there's four fucking minutes of footage in the movie, because they're like, well, we went to a lot of trouble to get this footage, I guess we better use it. (laughs) Just four pure minutes (laughs) at one point of the movie of just shots of traffic. It's pretty mental. Um, So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I hope that's true. Um, So yeah, as mentioned, I already mentioned, the rooftop track was actually part of the Fiat factory that was completed in 1923. The track measures uh, 1,680 feet by 260 feet, um, it's a five-story building with 16 million square foot of floor space and was home to about 6,000 workers. Wow. It's an incredible building, genuinely. Look it up. It's remarkable what they achieved there. That's awesome. Um, so uh, when Charlie gets out of jail, his girlfriend um, is waiting for him, uh, Lorna, to drive him in a, uh, home in a car that he, she mentions is, is the ambassador of Pakistan's. The That actual... Well, it's it's unclear how it's written here if it means this literal car was the ambassador of Pakistan's or if that model of car, that particular limousine, was. But either way, the pa- ambassador of Pakistan drove around in a limousine just like it, so it was accurate. So there you go. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah, as I mentioned, Nock Howard was so sick that his triumphal walk through the prison had to be filmed in stages as he could not, not walk more than a few feet at the time. We've already covered that one. Sad, but there you go. Um, mm. Not sorry, lib, but we've got we to gotta move on. <laughs> um, there's, there's a scene, apparently, filmed where they went through an ice rink and skidded about on an ice rink, cars gliding past each other and all that stuff. I mean, it was cut for timing. Uh, they cut something for timing, it turns out. Um, although it has, it was included in a Channel 4 documentary, The Mini Job, years later, and then it ended up on a subsequent special edition DVD release. Cool. Um, so That's cool. Uh, Michael Caine is one of the voices singing the closing credits theme song, Get a Bloomin' Move On. So there you go. It did, yeah, you did. I did think as it was playing, is that Michael Caine? <laughs> yeah, so apparently he wrote. Several of us, like, well, so Michael Caine and Quincy Jones wrote the score, apparently. Right. And they were born on the same day. It's one of the pieces of trivia here. They were both born on March 14th, 1933. Who knew? Mm. Scylla Black okay. uh, was offered the role of Lorna, but her agent turned it down without her knowledge. Bet she was fuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine, would be. imagine that. Um,. Okay, so oh, this is interesting. So, uh, because Noel Coward was not in good health and had a hard time learning lines, his longtime companion and partner Graham Payne had a cameo as his assistant in this movie, so that he could be on hand with any uh, to help if he had any problems. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. sweet. Yeah. Uh, so the green police cars in this movie. Oh, cars exist. Little 
More cars exist. Cars exist. Uh, the green police car used... Uh, just consider this entire trivia section as a cars exist. <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't thought about it, but this, yeah, it makes sense that this film is rife for cars exist. Yeah, yeah. I, only when I sat down to look at the trivia, I went, oh man, I'm going to have a fucking hell of a time putting this cars exist together. Uh, the green police car used was the Alfa Romeo Giulia Supra, which is actually the car flavoured... F- flavoured? Favoured by the Italian police force in the 60s. So they've kept that authentic. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, a novelization of this film was written. Now, this this one's interesting, and this should have caught while we were talking about the ending. So, this book contains numerous differences to the film. First of all, there's a rival group of German gangsters called the Hamburg Syndicate, who are also trying to uh, obtain uh, Beckerman's plans for the robbery. Uh, Charlie and the three minis travel to Italy by yacht. Professor Peach is rescued by the gang after he's arrested in the novel. The ending of the novel is also significantly different. Um, The bus successfully crosses the border into Switzerland, and two days later, the gang and the gold arrive on a beach near Dover in a landing craft and are met by Mr. Bridger. Mr. Bridger tells tells Charlie that he's come to an an agreement to divide Europe and to take the gold back where it came from. Jeez. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's not as satisfying. No. No. I'd almost rather the the cliffhanger... (laughs) Yeah, that's the worst of all worlds. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to imagine it being worse than that, but there you go. Uh, It is. Um, So there you go. Um, I kind of like the idea of them getting it back and him just being like, all right, we proved our point, you can take it back. That's kind of funny if they'd have done it that way, but this whole split it version i'm not no no i'm not a fan of that no yeah um, no. so the roof to roof film jump was genuinely filmed on the top of the theater factory we mentioned earlier and some crew members actually walked off set because they feared it would genuinely end in a fatality um oh wow yeah um apparently the italian fiat worker force you know I mentioned earlier that that building housed like six thousand workers they were watching it take place and they actually um people a lot of them were doing the sign of the cross to the stuntman as he got into the car. Um, wow. People, people did Bloody. not think he was surviving that. <laughs> that's that's encouraging, Jeez. isn't it? Imagine that. You're about to do a massive stunt. You're about to drive this thing and it's quite dangerous. And they're like making the sign of the cross. <laughs> I'd be like, fucking hell, guys. Have some faith. <laughs> like, yeah, know. God. <laughs> oh, a new segment, Chris. Planes exist. The uh, Chinese plane delivering Ooh. the gold to Turing Airport is a rare, only 14 ever built Douglas C-74 Globemaster transport plane. That's cool. One of 14 ever built. Hmm. Don't know. That is cool. That is pretty cool. Um, apparently, the Lamborghini mirror in the, the opening of the movie originally sold for 20000 As of 2015, this is equivalent to 146000 but the car can actually fetch in the neighbourhood of $1 million on the collector market. It's one of the more valuable Blimey. remaining from the movie. I guess because they made less of them. So, like, the, 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 DB, uh, the DB4 and the Jaguar E-Type, while they are reasonably rare classic cars, because just over the years these things have broken down and been destroyed and what have you... Um, they were still very popular at the time, so there's still a decent number of them out there. I guess there are less of that Lamborghini. Um, yeah, that would be my assumption. And, and and as a result of it being featured in the film, I guess that's helped put its price up. So it cost you about a million on the collect- collector market today. Oh, I'll start saving, Dan. Yeah, yeah, as you should. Uh, director Peter Collinson didn't tell the responsible authorities he'd be using cars on the staircase in the scene in the Palazzo, only machinery. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Paramount Pictures chief Robert Evans originally wanted Robert Redford to play Charlie, not 
uh, Michael Caine. That would not have been as good. I like Robert Redford very much, but no, thank you. Yeah, I like him, but I think Michael Caine, like I said earlier, adds a lot of charm to this. Yeah, um, this is a long one. I'm not going to read it verbatim, but in the sewer scene, that was actually filmed in Coventry um, in Stoke. Uh, in the UK and um, there's like a Birmingham to Coventry sewer system that was being constructed so they filmed in that while it was being constructed and uh, one of the stunt drivers uh, Remy Julien was convinced he could get the car to 360 the tunnel so it would essentially Hmm. drive up the it'd it'd be a barrel roll essentially a 360 degree barrel where he'd go up over the top Essentially, for a moment, the Mini would be upside down, and it would come down the other side. Um, he tested yeah. this a bunch of times, put the car on its head. Uh, one time in practice, he actually achieved it, but the cameras were not rolling, and they never managed oh, to get shit. it. They never managed to get it in front of the camera. Um, he never managed to recreate it when the cameras were, so it didn't end up in the movie. Um, actually, to be fair, it's worth noting here that the, the word claims that he did it in one rehearsal, but the cameras weren't rolling. <laughs> the, the word claim suggests that some people refute that. I don't know whether... I've not looked into that one, but there you go. Um, Imagine if this dude had seen the shit that Fast and Furious are pulling off. He yeah, lost exactly. his mind. Yeah. Um, the screenplay originally was set in London, um, and it was actually supposed to be a television show. However, the scope of the production was too large for the British television at the time, and the script was purchased for Makes a movie, sense. and the setting was changed to Turin. It had the most... Ex- Extensive computer-controlled traffic monitoring system in Europe, so that's why they chose Turing. Um, hmm. Makes sense. Apparently, Milan had been the original location choice, but they couldn't get shooting permits for Milan. So there you go. Um, as I mentioned, ah, here you go. So some of the traffic jam scenes are real. The crew blocked off key roads. Crew in brackets, in quote marks. So um, Italian drivers didn't uh, did become very annoyed and didn't notice exactly who the culprits were. So there you go. Um, Noel Coward's scenes were all filmed in Dublin he was paid 25000 for just 10 days work um, and apparently the reason they chose to shoot their scenes in Dublin was to avoid paying taxes <laughs> amazing oh, wow. shit. Yeah. so there you go uh, it was a bit of a different world back then wasn't it <laughs> yeah very much so yeah. Um, in August 2001, to mark the completion of a new 10-kilometer sewer in Hull, England they recreated the famous scene where the minis escaped through the tunnels of Turin um, <laughs> this time using the recently released New Shape BMW Mini Cooper. That's awesome. God, God bless you, Hull. Uh, no Coward was the, uh, was the director's godfather in real life. Mm. Nice. Who knew? Um, screenwriter uh, Tony Kennedy Martin wanted Nicole Williamson for the role of Mr. Bridger, a character he envisioned as tough as nails but totally in control of the situation. The director offered the role to Noel Coward instead, as a result of the previous connection we mentioned, um, which actually mm. completely changed the tone of the character in the writing. So there you go. I think he is still quite... Uh, it's probably in the writing because of the sheer power he shows mm. and the you know the character's ability to arranged dentist appointments and funerals and all that stuff but mm. he certainly does feel like an intimidating force yeah 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 as I, a result I, more of that stuff i think than the performance but yeah i guess that i guess they kind of gave him they gave him a more erudite feel maybe than they yeah. initially intended yeah yeah that's fair he feels very in command yes um a new segment chris coaches exist the coach mm, in this good. movie was a Bedford VAL with a Harrington 
Lagonier bodywork. Cool. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> Why did I leave that in? I guess for the coaches exist gag, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I think it was worth it. Mm. Uh, Michael Caine says in his biography that Benny Hill was extremely professional, but very shy and private. He didn't socialize with the rest of the cast. He stayed alone in his room, even if the whole, uh, even if the whole crew stayed at the same hotel. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I, it makes sense. I, I always got the impression Benny Hill was kind of a a quieter guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of comedians tend to be, don't they, in real life? It's weird. Yeah, very um, true. Um, footage from this film was apparently reused in the MacGyver um, Thief of Budapest movie in 1985. In that story, in that story, MacGyver and a band of gypsies use the Mini Coopers to escape from Hungary, and some of the footage of the Mini Coopers driving about was used in that. So there you go. Yeah. Um, the number plates on all three minis are reference, uh, uh, all have a reference to other parts of the movie, which I thought was weird. So the red mini's number plate is HMP729G, which is um, Her Majesty's Prison and Charlie Corker's prison number. Uh, the white mini, the white mini is GPF146G, which is uh, the Grand Prix flag as referred to by Brickenshaw. That's some reference to something else in the movie that I missed, I guess. Uh, the blue yeah, mini is LGW809G and refers to the flight number the gang would have taken had it been successful. Um, uh, LGW obviously being London Gatwick. Wow, fair play. Yeah. Oh, my cat's meow. I don't That's know if you cool. can hear that. My cat's having a little meow. One second, I'm getting up to let him out. That's a very nice touch. Yeah, I thought so. I'm going to get back in front of the mic. There we go. Um, so, the... Oh, okay, this one's a good one because it's just another weird, like, no one really thought it through. So, the job was about stealing four million in gold from Italy. But Bridger refers to it as about half a ton, which is a thousand pounds of gold from under the nose of the mafia. The price mm-hmm. of gold in 1969 was about $42 an ounce... Oh, a troy ounce, whatever that is. So it would equal six hundred thousand for each. Oh, for the amount they had, right? Okay. So, so basically, for a half a ton of gold, they'd have only got six hundred thousand, not four million. Um, they would actually need to have stolen six thousand pounds of gold um, to equal four million in that era. So right, basically, so the like weight doesn't match the error. monetary value. Yeah. Wow, I, they really did their workings out there, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, like fair play to whoever. Yeah, <laughs> someone figured that Where's out, that but like out? they couldn't just say, "Oh, the got the gold weights don't match to the price." I'd have gone cool <laughs> instead. I'd read yeah. out that shit. I say I had to. I didn't have to. I could have edited that if I'd had the, if I'd have taken the time to do so. I didn't. It's on me, really. Um, <laughs> when Cork is getting out of his equipment out from under the bed. After he leaves prison, he calls his rope and grappling hook Hazel, which is probably an in-joke referring to director Peter Callinson's wife, Hazel Collinson, who is professionally known as Lisa Shane. Um, I I remember that one as well from, again, commentary behind the scenes. Um, I, think, I think he inserted Hazel's name in every film he did at some point. So I don't know whether he continued doing that, but I remember hearing I that. cut it, but I, I, I did have one as well about how he put his wife in every movie. 
Oh, so yeah, maybe that's the same thing. I don't know, but yeah, I and I, every time I've watched it since, knowing that it's always stood out to me when he calls her Hazel. I wondered if that was calls the equipment Hazel. I wondered if that was would be a piece of trip. Which it there was. you go. It is. It's there. Are we happy? Are we content? Yeah, good trivin. Good trivin. <laughs> we very... got a couple. We got a couple more. Sorry. Oh right. Sorry. I just went. Are we happy with that one? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm through. Only a couple more. We're nearly out of there. Um, there's an, a certain irony to it being a British movie where the three mini stunt drivers are were all French, and the vehicles were blue, red, and white, the colours of the French flag. Oh yeah, and the British flag, I suppose, as well. But yeah, the, um, in those single stripes, yeah. it's the it's the French flag. Uh, the slogan on the side of the Ford um, Thames Dormobile, "We shall not be moved," was a popular English football chant at the time the film was made. In fact, the Dormobile actually used in the getaway had a bunch of references to English football players at the time. Very quickly, for those who give a shit, football exists. On the left hand side is mm-hmm. Bobby Moore. The English captain of the 1966 and 1970 World Cup squads. Obviously, the 1966 one being a particularly famous one due to them, you know, winning the one and only time we managed it. Uh, two photos of Alan Ball. One photo of uh, Roger Hunt. On the right side is Osgood is good, which is a reference to Peter Osgood and and Colin Bell. How is that a reference to Colin Bell? I don't know. There you go. No uh, maybe that makes sense to football fans. And there are photos of Bobby Charlton and more. Um, all were first division um, and England capped players in 1969. So there you go. Uh, the plate number for the limousine in which Mr. Bridger arrives at um, the funeral in is HMP1, which stands for Her Majesty's Prison. Um, prison vehicles wouldn't have had personalised number plates, and they would not have been. Well, they wouldn't have used the the, the limos either. Uh, they would have been uh, Morris commercial vans, regardless of their status. So there you go. Uh, a couple, one, two last very quick ones. Uh, when the filming of the bus is hanging over the cliff, the camera helicopters downdraft actually started to tip the bus over. There weren't anybody in it. Obviously, the shots inside were all shot on a soundstage. But the, um, the when they were getting the external shots of the bus, they nearly lost the bus because... The oh, helicopter going by created a downdraft that pushed it nearly over the edge, but the crew um, all had to hang on to the front to stop it from falling. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. And the final one, uh, Charlie Cork has claimed to have been hunting tigers in India is a reminder that tiger hunting was weirdly legal at the time the film was made. It was only banned two years later, 1971. And that is finally the end Good. of the triv. Nice. Good triv, Dan. Yeah, long again. I wish I'd cut more, but there you go. It's all good. It's all good. Um, we've, we've done recommendations. I think we both would recommendations. Like it was what was funny about doing it that way round is like I didn't even I didn't realize because I was kind of like surprised by the nitpicks that I had watching it. Mm-hmm. How much of a blast I still had like watching it, and like, yeah, it's that fun. really kind of comes across. It's when a, it's a, it's a, about it. It's a super fun movie, um, despite yeah. that ending. And and yeah. and I'll tell you right now. Like it wouldn't just be a, a, a recommend if that ending was different, it would be an outright go watch this if you haven't because none of yeah. the nitpicks are a factor. They were it's fun to no. go. Hey, this doesn't make any sense and this doesn't make any sense, but none of them make any difference to the quality of the film. Not at all. Not well, even yeah, in the it's slightest. fun. Like we've had films on here where the nitpicks have affected the quality and like we've yeah. nitpicked in a fucking hell way. But these were like yeah. Also, this was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but but the movie openly is. It's like li- like a little bit like Little Shop of Horrors, I suppose. If you want to try and draw a line, is like you know yeah. that movie sets up a world where it doesn't really matter. <laughs> 
it's not really yeah. what's what it's about. Do you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean? Definitely. It's like it's it's a it's a hyper real hyper real world they set up where you know it's just where everyone's just having a fun old fun old time. Like and it's and, it, and, it, and like the certain logic just doesn't it just doesn't matter and then you don't and you don't feel it when you're watching the movie or at least I didn't and evidently you didn't when you watched it back in the day either so no so there you go no. so it's a recommend yeah yeah definitely so Dan where are we going next <laughs> you're gonna hate me I think oh I think so what happened was I looked back at the list of movies we've done and realized that for movies we're talking about our nostalgia our childhood there's not any animated movies in the list so far with the exception mm-hmm. of Toy Story certainly no traditionally animated movies so then mm-hmm. my brain did the obvious thing I went to my absolute favorite traditionally animated movie of all time Aladdin now we're not gonna do Aladdin because that's going to have that problem of it's just a good movie. I have you seen Aladdin out of curiosity? Uh, I think so. Not for years. But ironically, right. two days ago, I did watch the remake. Oh, <laughs> so, did you? Did you enjoy the remake? So Aladdin, I, was just, oh, I did enjoy the remake. It's great. Yeah. It's really I good. Then, I then, that evening, had a friend criticise the remake. I really enjoyed it. I yeah. thought Robin Williams, um, Will Smith wasn't trying to do a Robin Williams nope. impression. That I thought was good. I thought the addition of the Jasmine song was very good. And it and was mm-hmm. actually... One of the few, like, I'm surprised that song wasn't more popular. Like, I, I thought that was catchy as. Um, so yep. yeah, I enjoyed Aladdin. Yeah, great. Well, yeah, I thought I thought it was a really wonderful remake too. Um, very both respectful, but changed the things it needed to change. There's only one. I, my, my quibbles with that are very tiny, and the whole movie is is, a, is an absolute blast. We watched it. Me and Nadia watched it last week as well. Um, <laughs> for the, that was the second time me and Nadia watched it because we saw it when it came out. But Aladdin was my all time favorite like animated movie as a kid. I've talked in the past about wearing a video out. Over the over yeah. my, the course of my childhood, I think I had three copies of this movie. And I think I remember at one point being able to do all of the dialogue from the movie top to bottom, verbatim, wow. without a script for the original yeah. Aladdin. That's the, that, when we're talking a very different level. But mm. it's a good movie. It's a classic. Mm. We know it's a good movie, Chris. Mm. So then I thought, what classic animated movie do I like, but it's slightly more questionable? <laughs> like, something that we can get our teeth into. Like, is it good or not, right? Because there's no way we're coming back and saying Aladdin's a bad movie, right? I just, it doesn't no. seem likely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're going to watch the Goofy movie. <laughs> oh, nice. All right, cool. Because, well, did you ever see it? No, no, never. I don't yeah. think. So, um... When I was a kid, this was a movie I um, rented so many times from the local video shop when I, where I lived in Ireland that in the end, the guy offered to sell us the tape. Really? <laughs> I shit you That's not. That's awesome. So the copy I had was Why? a, was like, a rental he must have been making He must have been making money, more money out of you renting it than I think he, he just felt sorry for my mum every week bringing me into the video shop. Go on, choose a movie. This one again. No, not that one again. I get rent choose something you've not seen but I want to watch this one again like the guy must have witnessed that dance every week and just gone right fuck off. fair enough so um yeah so we're gonna watch Goofy Movie I haven't seen it in a good couple of years I've seen clips because you know every now and then I get the urge to watch you know a certain section from the movie um, there's two three kind of iconic ones there's one so iconic that it got completely recreated a couple I say a couple of years ago god I don't know how old that is now but there was a where somebody did an in real life version of one of the sequences oh, from the wow. movie, and it's uh, they so they got they actually went and filmed it and and recreated it as best they could, and it's it's glorious. I'll send you that as well. So once you've seen the movie, you can uh, you can take a look. And also, Chris, it'll just make use of our Disney Plus accounts. 
Yeah, no, I'm ba- I'm definitely up for the Goofy movie. Yeah, it's, it's a movie that weirdly, like, yeah, hit me, I guess hit me at the right time. And I think it's, um, and I'll be really interested to get your opinion on it. So there you go. Cool. Cracking. I look forward to that. So yeah, so come back in a week for that. If you are, or if you if you're not listening to this, uh, if, uh, you know, if you're listening to this when you don't have a subscription to our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you probably check out the Goofy Movie discussion right now because we're putting these up earlier on the Patreon. So that'll probably already be there. Um, otherwise, you can get us on YouTube, Nothing But Static UK, or uh, Twitter at Nothing But Static Without the G. I'm at Dan Doolan. Chris is at C Billingham. Um, you can also check out our main podcast, Nothing But Static, where we do TV reviews, um, you know, for like up and you know, new shows, and we talk about the TV news as well. Or you head over to our YouTube channel, you can see us talking about Steven Universe, or you can dig out our our uh, Fringe podcast, Fringe Observers, where we watched mm. all 100 episodes of Fringe and, re- Fringe and reviewed it. Um, so yeah, please, um, you know, find us in a million different places and, and like and subscribe and review and all that stuff, because it helps. Or just tell a friend. Tell a friend. Yeah, absolutely. We like that too. Something you think will like this, yeah, share it with them. Uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be, we would love you forever. We would. I mean, I, just, just to put a little terms and conditions on that, we will not marry someone who who does that. No, no. Um, partly we, because... we will share the feeling of love for you. But we, yes, we, it's we, not but, a... But, but we're not, we're not, you know, we're not saying I do. No, no. I mean, I don't have a great track record of uh, of seeing through weddings anyway. Um, <laughs> so that would be especially uh, That answers my question of if it's too soon to make jokes about the wedding yet. <laughs> <laughs> just to, just for anyone, because who knows when this will go up. We had to postpone because of the current situation. Not We've not broken up or anything. Well, I don't know when this is going up. We might have broken up by then, but uh, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So there's all the ways you can get in touch with us, and also, uh, oh, just a weird dive into Chris's brain. Uh, thanks. So I'm much. clearly joking. <laughs> just a, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we do appreciate it, especially if you've gotten this far in. Um, like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. But uh, yeah, we'll see you next week when we discuss a goofy movie. So thank you very much. I'm Dan Doolan. I'm Chris Billingham, and I'll see you next time. For, well, we'll see you next time for another edition of Rewind Reviews. Are we not doing the, and this review has been rewound thing? Oh, we stopped doing that. Yeah, I think we did. You're right. We forgot. You okay. recording? Well, yeah, yeah. Chuck it in. Well, no, you've got to do it. It's you do that one. Okay, I'll do it. I'm, I'm Chris Billingham. I'm Dan Doolan. And this review has been rewound.